So before we um, move into just, we're going to do a crash course in dream interpretation. And I, I love dream interpretation because it's just, dreams are so significant. But I just, real quickly, I'm going to give you four um, components of a movement. You can do whatever you want with it, but four components of a movement. And the first is there's a prophet. The second is there's a, there's a history, there's a story, like a prophetic story. And then the third is a language, and then the fourth is a sound. There's a language, and then there's a sound. There's a sound. So I'm just giving you those four points. Whoever it matters to, just write it down. Okay, prophet, a prophetic history, a language, and a sound. And that will be for another day. Okay? All right. Genesis 48. Dream interpretation. Can we shift? Can you do that? Yes, make the curve. Okay. Um, and they said to him, we each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. What does that mean? That means dreams need to be interpreted. They need to be interpreted because everyone has dreams. One of the most amazing tools for evangelism is dream interpretation because God actually speaks to not just believers in, his, in their dreams but also unbelievers in their dreams. And so we want to be people that know how to interpret dreams. Again, back to Acts chapter 2, we talked about that in our, our package, our Holy Spirit package, we prophesy. We have visions. We talked about that earlier, you know, yesterday. I don't know. What day is this? Saturday. Uh, <laughs> visions and dreams. And dreams is where many of us get hung up because it's so illogical. <laughs> right? It's so illogical. Now, I was always good at visions. Visions was like, you know, even the more metaphorical visions. And, you know, I, I could, I could, um, you know, just interpret it and help you get into one. And, you know, uh, I just understood them really well. And the thing is, you know, there is, it's a little bit, um, visions are a little bit more linear. That's been my experience, and that's kind of a common experience. They're a little bit more linear, a little bit easier to understand, even like the more grandiose ones, the ones where you're like in a trance. Um, those are even a little bit better and easier to understand than the dream language. And so um, I remember I got divinely frustrated into learning about dream interpretation because I was just into visions. I wasn't into dreams. We had a dream interpreter at church who's like the best dream interpreter in the planet. And so we all go to her because we don't need to take responsibility to learn it because she will give us the interpretation. It's fantastic. It's amazing. She pulls out stuff you never thought you would ever be in that dream. So we just left it up to her to do all our dream interpretation. And then all of a sudden, I started talking to famous people who thought I was super prophetic, and they wanted their dreams interpreted for me. <laughs> and I'm just like, I have no clue. All I could give them was an opinion. I couldn't really give them an interpretation because the, when you give somebody an interpretation, like you really get an interpretation, it hits the sweet spot, and they cry out to God. I mean, there's something about it, okay? And so I really got divinely frustrated into, into this, and so I decided I was going to take like a year, and that's typically my pattern. If I feel like I need to talk about a certain subject and I can't grasp it, can't get it, I'll take a year and I'll just study everything I can find on it. I'll just saturate myself with it until I get it. And so I took about a year, and I just did dream interpretation. That's all I read. That's all I looked at. That's all I, you know, I just went after that. 
And so, um, you know, with that, you know, let's see here. What am, what am I looking at here? Okay. So, so with that, you know, begin to, what I begin to learn about dream interpretation, a lot of it is understanding symbols, understanding metaphors, and understanding just kind of like dream language in general. Okay, so, so you, we begin to understand symbols. We begin to understand metaphors, and we begin to understand just kind of the nature of dream, dream language. Um, and one of the things about, I heard somebody say this, I can't remember who, when it says that your young men will have visions and your old men will have dreams. Well, so somebody said this. They said it's because when you're older, you actually have a better understanding of what God is saying. So you can actually understand the dreams better. When you're younger, you don't quite know what God is saying. So you, you pretty much function in a more linear, easier capacity. And so, so what we want to do is we want to, dreams are basically God is calling you into a higher language. He says, my thoughts are greater than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. And so he's calling you up higher through the dream pathway. Through the dream interpretation, he's calling you up into his language, his thoughts, his thinking, and, you know, and, and, and really how he um, images things, okay? <clears throat> now, here's the thing about dreams, just like visions, just like anything prophetic, you have to steward it. So what you want to do is you always want to have some sort of notebook or something on the side of the bed, or if you're more of like a, you'll write on your phone, or whatever it is, you want to get in the habit of writing down, you date it, and you just write down every single dream that you ever have, even if it seems ridiculous. I'm shocked at how uh, potent the ridiculous dreams are. I'm very shocked at it. And so you get yourself in the habit of it. You wake up at 2 in the morning. Gee, I just think I had a really ridiculous dream. Write it down, write it down before I fall back to sleep. Okay? Um, and I've found dreams on my phone that I forgot I wrote down before, which I thought was funny, you know. But I, I have the habit of recording them even in the middle of the night. I may never remember that I recorded them, but I'm committed, you know. <laughs> so you might get committed to writing these things down. Just like with Habakkuk, he says, you know, uh, the Lord gave him a vision, made it plain, but he wrote it down. Um, Daniel 7, 1, then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts, okay? So just write down the main points of that dream. Uh, but the point is, it is a point of uh, stewardship. And when you steward something, what happens to you? You get more of it, right? You get more of it. Okay. And so... Um, what I want to, uh, you know, really emphasize is that a dream can change your life. A dream can change your life. Job 33, 14 to 18, for God may speak in one way or in another. That's Job 33, 14 to 18, those of you want to open to it. I know you prefer I read it, huh? Okay. Yet man does not perceive it in a dream, in a vision of the night. When deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction in order to turn man from his deed and conceal pride from man. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. Dreams are so powerful they can convert a soul. I had shared that my husband's Middle, Middle Eastern, so I have been you know, privileged to you know, get immersed in the culture and dreams are very significant in the Middle Eastern culture, very significant. And there are certain seasons um, where they, you know, have certain traditions 
it, you would say tradition, but it's, it's they actually pay attention to dreams during certain seasons more than others, okay, because they have a s- more significance, they believe. Um, and, uh, you know, that's tied to some of their, their uh, you know, it's not a Christian thing. It's just, you know, more their cultural thing. But dreams are really, really important to them. And you even see in the Bible, look, you know, think about Genesis when Joseph had the dream. The brothers believed him. <laughs> you know, they believed the dream. <laughs> a lot of us, you know, we don't realize how, how they really believe those dreams. A dream co- caused him persecution because everybody understood dream language. They knew exactly what was going on. He was going to rule them, and they were going to fight it off. Isn't that interesting? That's how, how much they believe in that. Uh, we see a lot of Middle Eastern um, persons actually coming to the Lord through dreams. They all say they're looking for the person, in, the man in white. Have you heard that before? You probably have. Okay, it's actually it's very it's very true. Um, or they're led or they're led to to somebody to talk to them about Jesus because they'll they'll capture it in a dream. And the dream is so potent that it actually shakes them out of their their Muslim uh, religion or their violent religion, whatever it is that they believe, their Hindu religion, it's, it's so powerful. I want to read you um, a dream from one of my friends, that um, a pastor, and I mentor her. And she said it was March 2003, and I had just given birth to my fourth child. And he was only a few weeks old, and my marriage was in big trouble. I was a broken shell of a woman and not in a healthy state of mind. If it weren't for my newborn, I would have tried to kill myself. I had been brought up knowing about Jesus, and even as a child, I've given my life to him. As a teen and into my 30s, my life didn't belong to him at all. I was totally living for myself. I had a dream, however, that changed everything. I had gone to bed knowing I needed to change, but not knowing how, and I was desperate. I dreamt I was standing with Jesus, looking at a complete darkness. I could hear all kinds of screaming and could feel an intense fear. I took his hand and said, what are you showing me? Uh, It's frightening me. And the scene changed, and now I'm standing on a stage, a platform, and I'm preaching to a crowd of people. The Lord was showing me my choices. I had two paths, and only I could choose which one I was going to take. He was showing me my call as a pastor, and he was giving me my hope back. And then she said, in the dream, I chose him. When I woke up, I noticed a freedom I had never known before. My mind was clear from all of the noise. I no longer wanted to die, and I was excited to live. I was delivered from all kinds of unclean spirits and no longer wanted to do things I couldn't stop doing. My heart fully belonged to Jesus, and I've been ignited for him for 13 years without stopping. And she says, best of all, I'm now living out the call as a pastor. Isn't that powerful? That all happened because of a dream. That happened because of a dream. Isn't that amazing? Okay. And so God will speak to us in dreams because he has a captive audience when we're asleep. God will speak to us in a dream because he can bypass our logic and our reason and communicate to our spirits. And so even though our body is asleep, our spirit remains awake. And so God, who is spirit, communicates communicates with us spirit to spirit. And dreams are just like parables in the Bible. You, you know what I'm talking about? Parables, those stories that use a lot of metaphors to get the point across. Well, just like, like parables in the Bible, dreams are like parables in the Bible. Uh, they're night parables. They're highly symbolic. Uh, they use metaphors. But what they are, you have to look at them as being uh, they're gifts to you. 
And you have to actually unwrap the gift, open it up, examine the contents to, to get the full experience of the dream. A lot of times we dismiss dreams because they're not logical. There's this rumor out there that it's something we ate. I don't say it couldn't happen, but usually that's not the case. And because our dreams don't make sense, we dismiss them as not important. And so what it is, it's like leaving a valuable gift from God. It's just like leaving it on the table because of the way, because of our rationale, okay? Because um, I, I would probably consider you guys more Western thinkers, you know, um, especially in America. We're very, very Western thinking, very logical, linear, rational, and we have a hard time grasping the metaphor. We have a hard time grasping um, the as- abstract because it's not in our thinking pattern. So it's a learned thinking. And so you actually have to take a step back and be more Eastern in your thinking if you're really going to capture um, dreams and the interpretation of it. Now, what, what you have to remember about the Lord is that he knows our present, he knows our past, and he knows our future, and he sees it all in one moment. And many times he will use the dream realm to help get you to his plan for your life, okay? He will bypass your logic. This is when you start having dreams that seem very grandiose. And you keep having, like, these repeated dreams. It's grandiose to you. You're doing something like, let's say, you you know, you start having dreams that you're in politics and you're, you know, um, I don't know your political system, but what would be, like, a, a really top leader? What would you title that? Prime Minister, okay, so, sorry, um, forgive my ignorance. Um, so, and so you would, you would, you know, start having these grandiose dreams that you're Prime Minister, and you keep having them, and you keep having them, and you keep having them, okay? And because of what you think about yourself right now, you can't grasp it, so the Lord has to tell you in a dream. It was interesting reading the um, biography of Tony Blair about how he had such a sense that he was going to rule. He had, it was like it was on him that he was going to rule. Like he knew supernaturally that he, that, that was going to come into his life. Isn't that interesting? For a lot of us, we can't even grasp that in the, like just in the, the here and now in the, in the daytime. So this is what God will use a dream to do to you is he'll begin to implant it and awaken what's already in your spirit. And he'll do it through a dream. Okay. <clears throat> The creator of the universe, he envisioned so deeply about who you could become, he wrote a novel about your life before you got here. You don't have to live it out. We all have free choice. That's Psalm 139, 16. You know, um, that in your book, they all were written. The days were fashioned for me when as yet they were none of them. And so, again, he has a plan. And so he's using the dream realm to get you along that plan. He establishes your day hours by what he puts inside your dreams in the night hours. Okay, so his plans are real. They're awesome. Um, trying to condense here. Just I, This is a crash course, so I'm skipping out all this certain uh, information, okay, because I want to get to some of these, these dreams. <clears throat> hmm. Let's see here. That one, that one. You don't need all of this. You're smart. (laughs) Okay. All right, we'll jump down to here. One of the most important rules for dream interpretation is that we use a biblical interpretation model. 
That's really important. A lot of times people, they get, they get, you know, they start looking on the internet and all the new age site to try to get interpretation for the symbols that were in your dreams, and you don't want to do that. You don't want to use the psychology models either because the foundation is not biblical. It will not, it will not, the, the interpretation will not yield a godly result. Okay, so we always want to come back to that. We want to use a biblical interpretation model. There's lots of great um, dream interpretation books, or a lot of these authors who write about dreams, they'll tuck some symbols, um, you know, inside of their books. You know, I like Jane Hammond's books on dreams. I like Adam Thompson's uh, book, D Divinity Code. Um, there's a book, uh, it's an e-book by Ian Mulligan. There's another set of symbols. Um, I like John Paul Jackson's stuff. I like uh, Doug Addison stuff. And just kind of keep in mind with everybody that I said, like they have some, um, like the dream interpretation stuff is really strong, but you know, we don't have to swallow everything that's said. And so, um, you know, but those, those aspects of their, of their ministry are really, really strong and really solid. I like them. Um, and so we want to use a biblical interpretation model. I've literally, I've had people, when I'm, I'm from California. And so there's kind of like this, how would you explain it? A lot of people in church, I wouldn't say a lot, a portion of people in church have not yet separated themselves from New Age <laughs> new age stuff. And so th they will literally not have any clue at all when they show me their, their process for a dream interpretation. And they got it off of this, this um, New Age site that was talking about butterflies and, you know, <laughs> just all this stuff. Okay, so you want to make sure that you're not going to, you know, um, we'll say Auntie Lulu, okay, um, who, who is... Um, uh, how would you say it? She's psychic, and she's told you things, and it's been real before, okay, but she's not a Christian, okay? So we want to really, really hone that in. If that's a habit of yours to not go to the Bible as your interpretation source, but to kind of use these extraneous sources, these extra, extra types of sources, you must do away with that. Okay, don't connect yourself to that, and let's purify um, this interpretation. Okay, so... <clears throat> Let's look at some, I'm sorry, I'm skipping all of this stuff because I know we're just never going to get to it. I'm going to just jump down and let's get to the, some of this meat here. Okay, so I'm going to talk to you about some common dreams and you're going to identify with them. Okay, and this will, this will help you. Tomorrow I'll actually help you with some, some core, uh, there's like a five-step dream interpretation, step-by-step uh, uh, step list that will help you uh, uh, dissect your dreams as well as others, but right now I'm just going to use some common dreams and we'll work through that. The first one is a warning dream. How many have had a warning dream before? Right on. Okay, Matthew 2, 7 to, uh, 7 to 12. Uh, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring word back to me that I can worship him also. And when they hurt the king, they departed. Behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them. On and on and on. Those wise men were, were uh, de de uh, detoured uh, from going back to Herod through a dream. Okay, the Lord just, you know, outed Herod and said, don't, you know, basically don't, don't go back to him. Okay, and so God will send us warning dreams. And the reason he sends us warning dreams is not to make us afraid. It's not to make us afraid because God who sees in the dark is revealing to you what's hidden in the dark so that you can have, you know, the information you need so you can respond appropriately. Um, the warning dream is your holy heads up. 
okay? But we don't want to get into this fear thing and, and, and start shaking and quaking in our boots because, you know, we just had this, this, this warning dream. Uh, now that you have the knowledge, you can act on it in a way that gives you the very best outcome. And so, so we want to just have faith in the God who warned us, right? Right, okay? Um, one time I had, it was really interesting, I had this, um, uh, this dream about this, um, I won't give a descript, uh, about a, a woman with a certain color of hair, and I even knew in the dream where she lived, like what, uh, what part of the country that she even lived. And it was just a random dream because I'm in the habit of writing things down. I actually wrote it down. You know, I dreamed XYZ woman, uh, hair color, lives in a certain place, and she hates my guts. That's what I wrote down. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, out for blood, hates my guts. And, and, you know, I don't know who this person is at all, but I was so specific, and I just wrote it down. Okay, so I forgot about that dream. Fast forward three or four months, I'm looking on my uh, Facebook, and um, all of a sudden, I see that person that it was in the dream. Isn't that interesting? See that? And then I click on the link to see where does this person live, and they live in the place that I saw in the dream. And I thought, that's really odd. You know, it's very strange. Um, but, you know, I didn't know what to make of that. And then about probably 20 minutes later, I received um, an invitation to speak at a women's conference from another person. And this person, you know, was saying, okay, I would like to invite you to speak at the XYZ conference. And this other person is going to be the speaker. And it just happened to be the person that was in the dream. So I kind, kindly declined. <laughs> and I was so grateful to God for his protection. I gave like an extra offering on Sunday. I was just like, you know. <laughs> I'm like, thank you for the protection. Slapped one down. <laughs> really. Um, and then I had another incident, and I really can't get into the details, but the Lord warned me about a very significant betrayal that was going to come into my, into my life. And he just showed me everything. It was just, you know, awful and horrible. Um, but he was letting me know this is going to come, this is going to happen. You know, there's just no avoiding it. And then he began to tell me about the glory that was going to come upon my life. Um, you know, and begin to, you know, connect the dots with that. Well, it was really interesting as everything I dreamed about took place. But then um, uh, twice after that incident, you know, the actual incident that, that, you know, I experienced, but I had the dream about, twice after that incident, I was preaching, and they snapped my pictures, and I was glowing from head to toe. He told me about the glory that was going to come upon my life. It was like my perfect confirmation <laughs> that it's going to be Okay? Okay going to be okay. Those are warning dreams, warning dreams. All right. The second one is a deliverance dream, a deliverance dream. Um, let's look at Genesis 49 to 13. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, behold, in my dream, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches. And it was though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. I took the grapes, I pressed them to Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his uh, butler. Okay, so isn't that interesting? This, this person had a dream of his deliverance. But what was fascinating is he couldn't interpret his own dream. <laughs> He needed an interpreter, all right? Now, his companion didn't have the, have the same uh, blessing that this one did. The companion died, 
you know, but he dreamed about his, his dream symbols all pointed to his death. And Joseph, who, who knew how to interpret dreams, he actually interpreted them and everything came to pass. Um, again, that uh, one pastor I just, I just um, uh, talked to you about, we're talking about deliverance dreams here. She had another dream, and this is fascinating to me. She said, I wanted to share something with all of you. This is on a, a, on a post and an email. And she says, uh, back in October, I had a dream that I was at a conference and Jennifer Vaz was speaking at. And in the dream, it was break time or transition time. Jennifer had come to sit with some ladies that were sitting behind me. They were all laughing, talking, having a good time. I turned to listen to them. And when I did, Jennifer pointed at me. This is in a dream. She said, financial breakthrough. And I looked around the room thinking she was pointing to someone else. And then she looked at me again and said, yes, you, financial breakthrough. And since this dream, and she said, since this dream, my husband's business has gotten one big job after another. Today, we just landed the biggest one of all so far. Wow. I've had that kind of dream probably four or five times. Like ridiculous financial breakthrough. And I'll show up in somebody's dream and I'll, you know, say something or do something. And they get this really strange financial breakthrough. And so if I show up in your dream, just hand me your checkbook. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I, that is probably the most bizarre thing to me is because I've seen it like about five times now to have a financial release because of something that transpires in a dream. Like it, it really hits into the, the, the natural realm. So it's a deliverance dream. Okay. <clears throat> One of my interns, she says, she writes this on, on a thread. We had some sort of... Um, uh, social media thread we were all talking she says pastor jen what is the meaning of this dream you told me in the dream to ask you after i woke up so here i am asking that's what she said and then she said in her dream she said i have had a few dreams where you show up pastor jen just the other day on july 4th um, july 4th is one of our um, big holidays the independence holiday um on July 4th, you were in my dream. I was in a white bathrobe on the street. I was getting in a new white Escalade. Um, does everybody know what an Escalade is? Okay. Uh, the person who was picking me up was an old high school friend, and her name is Liliana. Uh, Liliana got out of the vehicle and yelled out, I had a dream with the word Julie. Um, and, uh, uh, and so I told her, look up the meaning of, 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 of the name. And that's when Pastor Jen showed up. You were on the opposite side of the vehicle to the right. We turned to see you, and you hollered back. I know what it means. Ask me when you wake up from the dream, and I'll tell you. And you smiled, and Liliana drove off, and I was left standing there in a white bathrobe. So she literally says to me, she says, you told me in the dream that you would tell me what it means in the dream. So here's the dream. I, I, she, like, she's full of faith. You know, she's like, I'm going to interpret this dream. So, <laughs> so, but I did. I said, Lupita, I said, you're going to an experience an Independence Day. You are wearing a white bathrobe because you just showered, and you're clean and pure. You're wearing robes of righteousness. The Lord is delivering you of past impurity, things that are generational in your family line. You got in the Escalade because that's one of your, your nationality's favorite vehicles. And that means this is ministry, but it's birthed out of deliverance from sins and iniquity connected to your past life, your family line, and your nationality. Liliana is a symbol for purity, and Julie means purity too. You're being made pure. You'll minister out of your personal deliverance. This is a good dream. And then what happened to her is she went into two weeks of full-on deliverance, like two weeks straight. And she began to just spit out every unclean thing that was attached to her. It was crazy. It was crazy, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, you know. Um, so those are deliverance dreams. Anybody ever had one of those? I was in a dream. Okay. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> All right. Um, 
I'm getting giddy. Um, (laughs) Intercessory dreams. Intercessors often pray powerfully inside their dreams. It's so powerful, sometimes you wake up exhausted. Have you ever had that happen before? Yeah. Okay. And I believe that, you know, the Lord will do, he he does that, and he's going to give you his strength to intercede like that. But, you know, I, I you know, just want to warn you and let you know, it is, it can be really grueling. It can take a lot out of you. Um, when you are interceding in a dream or, it, you know, you're like a lot of times it looks like you're fighting in a dream. You're fighting. You're fighting for something or you're fighting with something or you're fighting over something. And so it's real. It's not make-believe, and that's one of the things I want to assure you about, that you really are, like, you really are fighting. It really is spiritual. Something truly is happening. And, and you know, just to, um, you know, assure you, you know, like, to not dismiss it, there, there's definitely something that are, are going on. Um, there are intercessors that are caught away in the spirit, in, in their dreams to pray and prophesy on location. I mean, that dream realm, it kind of, the dream and vision realm, they kind of crisscross each other. So sometimes you'll slip right into the vision realm. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're somewhere else. Um, so, so we want, I had this one dream. I, this is years ago. It was uh, uh, in 2008. I had, it says, I wrote it down here. It says, I had a dream that I felt like it lasted for over an hour. It was very intense. Jesus and I stood over Afghanistan, and we began to sing to the women in the burqas. You know those blue burqas they used to show all those pictures about? And the song was this, and this is what touched my heart because this is what came out of this dream. Um, Come out from behind the veil. I want to see your face. I want to see your gaze. I promise you will not be ashamed. Isn't that just potent? That's just potent. And that was, we sang that together, Jesus and I sang that. It felt like over an hour, over those women for over an hour, just we sang that song to them. And so those are intercessory dreams. Yeah. Then we have directional dreams, okay? Um, just like, you know, Joseph was instructed to flee with his family to Egypt, um, and he got that out of a dream, uh, it was a warning dream, but it was also a directional dream. He needed to go to Egypt. Joseph was told to return to Israel, but but to not settle in Judea. Again, a directional dream. Um, before I went to China, I was still sketchy about, you know, even going into that nation. But I started having, it wasn't exactly directional dreams, but it told me my direction. I started having dreams about their government and different things in their economy. I started having very specific dreams, and then I started reading it in the newspaper, like, within a few days. So I knew the Lord was, was aligning me because I was getting that kind of specific, specific dream. And so I knew that I was to go to China, and then I ended up going three times. Um, <clears throat> you might get a directional dream that's about your calling and your, your purpose, you know, you'll see yourself doing it. You'll see yourself building it. You'll see, you'll see yourself um, ev- inventing it. Um, I got this dream from one of the missionaries that we support in uh, Central Asia. I'm not allowed to say her name um, because um, it's, a, it's a Muslim country, and she doesn't like her name out there. But she said this. Uh, this is a dream from, I think, uh, someone in, in, in the church fellowship. She said, a group of believers in a nearby town recently started a church fellowship. This gathering is hosted at a local tea house. One of the church members, John, is a new believer. One day, a strange man came into the tea house and asked if John would move a suitcase for him and set it under a far table in the tea house. 
After making his request, he quickly left the tea house. John reluctantly moved the suitcase for the man. Seconds after moving the suitcase, the police arrived, and upon opening the suitcase, they found drugs. The police told John that he would need to pay them $4,000. So you see the setup? It was like a corrupt setup. Police told John he would need to pay them $4,000, otherwise he would be hauled off to jail. Because John couldn't pay the fee, he was put in jail to await trial. One night as he sat in his jail cell, a voice instructed him to get up and pray for his release. He woke up from this dream sweating intensely, but he did not pray. The next night in a dream, again, the voice told him to pray for his release. He got up and then prayed for three days. On the third day, a policeman came into his cell and notified him that he was being released. As a new believer, John reports that he now trusts Jesus with his life, and that in itself was a miracle. <laughs> Is that powerful? <laughs> All right, so... Um, <laughs> reoccurring dreams I want to kind of meddle with this one a little bit how many of you have reoccurring dreams they just keep having the same one over and over and over and over again so that's a matter that needs to be settled that's the matter that needs to be settled you know what's uh, really interesting is that the Lord will give you dreams before you even know him and what a shame that we don't have an interpreter what a shame we don't have an interpreter and um, before I was ever a Christian, I had a recurring dream. I kept dreaming about uh, Black Widows, uh, uh, Black Widow spiders. Actually, two. What it was? I was the two Black Widow spiders. That was the dream I would have. Is the two Black Widow spiders, and I kept having that dream. And I even have this weird like thing with Black Widows. I hate them. Like you know, I'll take a snake over a Black Widow any day. You know, and so, but I kept having um, this dream about the black I'm sorry I'm butchering it here it's not the two black widows it's just was black widows in general it was the reoccurring part that's I'm sorry I wasn't accurate there so is the recurring dreams about the black widow spiders all right got it so what was that about well after I became a Christian I started to deal with the Mormonism you know the Mormon uh, roots that had the you know that that connection and everything but I was still having those dreams about black widow spiders, okay? And I came, I came to discover that it, um, black, the black widow spiders, some, many times spiders in general, the symbol in itself is talking about witchcraft. And so I remember one big dream that I had was I was sitting under a tree, and I was reading a book in the dream, and there's black widows all over the tree. So what is a tree? What could that be? That could be the family tree, I came to discover much later, and it's a long story, that we were also very immersed in Freemasonry, which I had no idea that we were. Once I dealt with both the Mormonism and then I dealt with the Freemasonry, the dream ended. It was a recurring dream. I had to deal with something, but I just didn't get it. I had that dream before I was even a Christian. Isn't it interesting? God will speak to you, and he's speaking to you, but there was no interpreter. All right. <clears throat> there are word of knowledge dreams. There are prophetic dreams. Something happening right now, something that's going to happen. Um, I, had, uh, I used to lead our women's group before I turned it over. I, was, I remember the season I had to turn all of my ministries over to other people and actually give everything up because I was doing other things. And so I gave up the ministry to women, and I turned it over eventually, but... This is when I was still there. See, I'm bitter about this. I need to process this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, all right. So the the I was you know leading these women for 
uh, during that season. And I remember I had this dream. And I had a dream about these two women in the group, and they were kissing each other, you know, so it's like a homosexual thing. And I kept thinking to myself, really, do I really have that in there? And I kept thinking, there's, I, I have some, somehow, someone, there's a couple in there that they're hiding their secret or whatever. And I kept thinking that because it was in the dream. And so I just prayed, you know. Um, I, w- I couldn't figure out in the dream who it was because I couldn't see the faces, but I knew it was in there because it was hidden. And so eventually, probably within two weeks, I had one come and confess and tell me about it and then, you know, chatted with the other one and we started working through that. But the way I got that knowledge, it started in a dream. And it started in a dream in regards to something I had oversight for. I think that's really important to to understand that many times the Lord will show you things that are happening in the realms that you have oversight for. I get concerned when people are sharing their dreams with me that have no oversight in my life, and they're negative. It really bothers me. I actually told some people to pipe down recently. I said, you know, if you can't pray that through, don't share it, share it with me because they have no oversight in my life. But here I had oversight. Here I had authority, and, and the Lord was telling me, you know why he told me why he was ratting those ladies out? Because he loved them, <laughs> and he wanted freedom in their lives. So, so anyway, um, <clears throat> I've had dreams about people trying to split our church before it actually happened. I've had dreams about people in our fellowship that lacked integrity, and the Lord was warning me about them. So, again, all those places where I have authority, I would get these dreams. I would get these dreams. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever had dreams about your children, and you got to talk to them about, don't you dare go to that party? <laughs> okay. Don't you dare, you know, um, uh, take on that relationship? You know, so whatever you have authority for, whatever your realm of authority is, count on it. The Lord's going to give you dreams to show you what's hidden in the dark so that you can lead in the light. Amen? All right, so those are word of knowledge dreams, prophetic dreams, whatever you want to call it. Um, <clears throat> I like this one from one of our, um, she's one of our prophetic dancers, and she said that she was climbing up a mountain on her hands and knees. She encountered a man who said he needed help. So she started dragging him up a mountain with her. But every time she would climb, she would slide back down because she was trying to carry this person. And she said, I believe this represented a previous bad relationship. And she said, I decided I need to let him go. So I let him go, and he continued to slide completely down the mountain. And then she says, I got to the top of the mountain, and um, I'll I'll say his name because he's a friend of mine. And Tyler Combs was, you know Tyler? Tyler Combs was standing up there waiting for me. He grabbed my hand and helped me up, and we were both standing there together, and then I woke up. Well, that man, Tyler Combs, is now her husband, and they have three kids. <laughs> you didn't know about that? Okay. <laughs> All right. So those word of knowledge, prophetic dreams. She had the dream about the young man. She just didn't know why, and then she married him. Okay. Yeah. Then we have dreams where gifts are imparted. So you'll dream about a minister, a celebrity, or a president, or some, someone like that. And those are typically dreams of impartation, whatever is like a quality about them. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be president or that celebrity, but they might have a quality. Let's say they're, um, they're known for their philanthropy, or they're known for helping a certain segment of society, you know, something like that. Um, uh, you know, they have a particular uh, gift, you know, that's really outstanding or talent that's really outstanding. A lot of times those types of dreams are an impartational dream. Um, you know, uh, 
you know, I, this wasn't a dream, but I actually had a vision of William Branham. Does everybody know who William Branham was? The late William Branham. So what was he given to? He was given to visions, right? And he had very strong visions. He had a healing gift out of those visions. Well, when I had that vision with William Brannan, all of a sudden, I mean, I, I had visions already, but it seemed like it went on steroids, you know, and so it was an impartational, that was an impartational vision, but you'll also have those out of dreams. Have you ever um, uh, had a dream about, like, let's say a famous type of minister, like a famous evangelist or a famous, you know, yeah, okay, so they're impartational types of dreams, um, and, and there is a measure of impartation that is actually being released to you inside those dreams, and that's why you are having them. We see that, you know, like, Benny Hinn, he had a dream, or uh, I can't remember if it was a dream or a vision. He had a dream of Catherine Kuhlman, and he got a heavy-duty impartation because, you know, he acts just like her, you know? And so, um, you know, so, so those things are, are, are very, very um, uh, valid. Then uh, we have mystical and supernatural dreams. This is where angelic beings come into your dreams. A lot of times they'll show up as um, uh, two figures of authority, like two police officers or, you know, two, two um, uh, men that are helping you in a jam in your dream. Those are the angels. They usually come in pairs. Has anybody ever had that? Before, yeah, over here. Yeah, you've seen like the, the two authority figures or the two men or, you know, something like that. Or the police car's coming, you know, and you're in trouble. Okay, those are the angels. All right. <laughs> so, sometimes, sometimes you actually will have, um, uh, you know, you'll actually see angelic beings. Like, you, you know, full on wings and glory and all that kind of stuff, which is really powerful. And they'll give you some sort of powerful message and then you're messed up for life. Um, anybody, anybody here? been messed up for life or dreams like that okay awesome all right uh, uh you'll have you'll have visitations spiritual happenings you'll have dreams that um crisscross with others you'll have um visions with the dreams those kind of things um let me talk about crisscross dreams a little bit this is when you have a, a dream and then somebody else has a part of the dream okay you'll have a dream and somebody else has a part of the dream i'm trying to think i might butcher some of these details but i've um had these before and it seemed like um, there was a, one person in our church, for some reason, for a season, our dreams would crisscross, and they end up being very prophetic and really profound. And the one in particular, when I was assigned, I was on assignment to pray for our state. And one of the things we deal with in California, and it's obvious, is we deal with the Jezebel spirit. Um, you know, and so, so I had to learn that terrain and <laughs> learn that thing. And so... Uh, I was dealing with that hardcore in a certain, in a particular season, and of course, it shows up in your dreams and, and you know, things like that. And I remember this one particular dream that I had, um, you know, and I was basically fighting for the children. I was totally fighting for the children. And it's prior to when all these crazy laws and legislations went out, and you say, well, you must have not done a very good job of it. And I said, well, I, I did pray for it as best as I could, so I'm hoping, you know, I staved off something. Um, but... It was so hardcore and so brutal and, like, so violent, you know, these, these kind of, um, you know, this kind of uh, um, prayer assignment that I had. And so in this particular dream, um, if I get the details right, you know, I might mix this up just a hair. But I remember that um, I found her dog, and, and I don't know why that, you know, I, I knew it was her dog. She had this little dog. And I found her dog, and I wrote a note in the dream. You know, I wrote, I am coming after you. And I, I attached this note in the dream to her dog, and I sent her dog back to her. And I guess she lived in some mansion or castle. I don't know. 
And then I watched from a distance what she did with the dog, and she broke the dog's neck because she was mad that I even sent her a threat. Okay? And then, so, but, but pay attention to what I wrote on the note. I am coming after you. Okay? And if you know my personality, that's something I would do. But um, <laughs> I am coming after you because she was hurting the children. And so, so anyway, um, this other lady in our church, she says, I had this dream. And <laughs> so, and she's telling me about this dream. She says, yeah, you were fighting with some sort of demonic spirit in my dream. You were fighting it. And you were telling the spirit, you said, I am coming after you. And then she said, and then you started rebuking it from my finances. And then she said, you know, and they were getting ready to go on um, an extended missionary. Um, you know, they're going to be missionaries in another country. And they were just getting ready to do it. She said, and then I started getting all these uh, cash donations. Like, we weren't getting anything. And I started getting them for like two or three weeks straight. I started getting them. And it was after we had this crisscross dream. So I call them crisscross dreams. Is this starting to capture you a little bit? Is this starting to capture you? Okay. So whether they are simple, sometimes those real simple dreams are just like super potent, or they're super prophetic. We want to pay attention to them all. Okay, because I'm um, a, like a land deliverer intercessor, it's very typical for me um, to go into territories and I will dream about what is the bondage there. Sometimes I'll dream it as if I'm doing it, which is, I mean, you have to really know that, like who you are, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you'll be doing things in the dream that you would never do. And so, uh, but you know, it's, it's, a point of, it's a point of intercession. And you want to, like, begin to capture those dreams and begin to write them down and begin to steward them. And a lot of them, they'll fall in line. The reason I brought that out is they'll fall in line with what your natural um, uh, gifting is. They'll fall in line with what your um, realm of authority is. And they'll begin to reflect your region. They'll reflect the, the place that you live in. And so just there'll be some nuances depending on where you live and where you're at. But you want to just begin to keep those records because God is ordering your day at night. Now, one of the things that I begin to learn and why um, I ins- I'm so strong on, um, I'm on night watch prayer. Does anybody do night watch prayer where you pray all night? You may do that. Okay, good. The reason I'm so adamant about night watch prayer is because I have learned that God will order your day during the night. Like, he'll release gifts. He'll release impartation. He'll release all sorts of stuff, you know, and he'll deposit it right in your dreams. And, you know, it'll be, you know, um, and he's really ordering your life that way. But I learned that um, Satan will do the same thing. And the reason I'm adamant about night watch prayer is because it covers that dream realm. It covers that dream life. And I have learned from personal experience that if we do not have those night seasons covered on a regular basis, that Satan will deposit demonic bondage inside of dreams. And a person will come out demonized. They'll come out, you know, with bondages that they, you know, didn't have the day before. And so my two worst seasons of warfare both started in dreams. I'm convinced now that I did not have to go through that, that it was a lack of prayer cover in the night seasons. And so if I can deposit anything in you right now is to begin to start night watch prayer. You know, and because of the hell that I went through, because of these dreams that, you know, 
uh, ignited um, warfare and bondage and all sorts of stuff in my life, seasons of bondage, I will never back off of night watch prayer ever. Okay, and I, I remember I had a friend, maybe I'll share a few details, but I had a friend, um, and this wasn't even as bad, but she was pregnant, and all of a sudden in her dream, um, it wasn't in her dream, I'm sorry, during the day, she started to know she was getting all depressed, and she wasn't wanting the child, and that wasn't normal for her, you know, to not want her actual pregnancy. She already had the, the other, you know, children, and then, you know, she, she, this was like her first girl, and all of a sudden, she was having these depressed feelings, and she didn't want the child, and she's just really, you know, losing her grip on life. And she finally pinpointed it. She finally pinpointed the source of those, um, those, those bad feelings, those negative feelings that were showing up during the day. They, she tied them to dreams she was having at night, demonic dreams. And once she got a grip of where the source of it was, she began to take authority over those demonic dreams, and she recovered from the depression and the not wanting the pregnancy and all the things that were beginning to get instilled in her life in the night season, you know? And so, like, my, um, again, my, my worst warfare, I had um, right after we opened the, I'm feeling so much something here. Okay, we're going to hit this thing. Um, I can talk. Worst warfare. I like it when you see this. I like it when you see me struggle like this because, you know, those of you who, then, you, then, then you know, you'll feel, you'll know what I'm feeling when you feel it too. Or you'll, you'll feel it someday and you'll know, oh, that's what Jennifer walked through. I watched her do it. So I'm just going to, yeah, got it. Okay. So when I begin to um, open up the prophetic in our community, I begin to open up the prophetic in our church. And we had a wonderful honeymoon in the prophetic, we took it like a year, the solid year, and we just taught the prophetic, taught the prophetic, taught the prophetic. And it was amazing because the ordinary person could prophesy, and they, they were accurate, and it was amazing. Um, and then I had this dream, and I had this dream of this woman with a dog, okay, that's how I could identify that person or that, that entity, and this woman with the dog. And so um, in the dream, she had kidnapped my son, who was like three years old at the time. She had kidnapped my son. And um, in the dream, uh, you know, I was contending with her because she had kidnapped my son. And so I saw her dog. I took the dog. I, I killed the dog, and I began to go after her with the dog. I get very violent in dreams. And so, <laughs> and so I went after because I wanted my son back. You know, I wanted my son. And so I could see out of the corner of my eye, I could see, um, I could see my son escaping from the entrapment. So I just, you know, dropped her and, and uh, uh, took my son back. And so when I woke up the next day, I, I felt like something was wrong. You know, I'm like, something's really wrong here. And so I woke up the next day, and I went over to um, the, the area that I actually, where the dream location, you know, there was a particular area in our city, and I was just doing my natural business. And I went over there, and, and this woman was uh, outside of the bank, not the woman in the dream, but she was outside of the bank. And she was holding the dog that I saw in the dream the night before. And, I, and the thought that came to me was like, this is starting to emerge in my daytime. Uh, that's what I was thinking. And then I went into one of the worst seasons of warfare you know i just like horrible and it lasted for about three years okay it was it was really horrible and you know basically just all sorts of stuff was happening and so then the way it ended it started in a dream and it ended in a in a you know in a dream and so um the way it ended is when um 
uh, I went to teach for the first time at Bethel School of the Prophets. I was invited to teach a workshop there. And so I did that. I spent the week there, and I came back, and I went to my normal prayer time. We would have Saturday night prayer, and I would usually spend a couple hours prior just on my own. I just pray on my own. And so I was in my own prayer time, and I was just having a good day finally. I had a good day because, you know, you never knew what kind of day I was going to have because I was just in so much warfare. So I was having a good day, and I was excited, and I was praying, just worshiping God and just enjoying it. And then all of a sudden, the shift happened. And um, things begin to come out of my mouth that I would never say in the context of prayer. And all of a sudden, I was like, I was like I'm going to kill you. You're done. You're out of here. It's over. I'm going to drop you. I was just weird, weird, violent language was coming out of my mouth. And I didn't need deliverance. Um, and, so <laughs> and so anyway, and it was so strong that I lost, <laughs> I lost contact with my surroundings. I lost contact with my surroundings. I was in the chapel, and there was, like, some chairs and stuff. I lost contact with my surroundings. And then when I came back, I noticed all the chairs were in disarray. So I had been in some kind of, like, fight or something. I just missed the whole thing. But uh, so anyway, I, um, I was scared at that point. And I'm like, I am dealing with something. And I called um, our associate pastor because uh, he and his wife lived across the street. And I said, something's happening to me. Come over to the chapel. I don't know what's happening to me. And so he came over. And so um, uh, it, or his wife came over. And she just calmed me down to, like, just, you know, calm down. And then as we were getting ready to go to the regular prayer time, you know, it's 7 o'clock prayer every Saturday, she says, you know, I had this dream, but I didn't want to tell you. And I said, <laughs> I said, well, you need to tell me. And she says, well, I dreamed about this blonde woman. And, um, and she says, and I dreamed that you hired a hitman to kill her. She didn't know that the original dream that I had, the start of the whole thing, was about the blonde woman with the dog, okay? And I, just, I, d I asked her, I said, did she look like this? And I described her. She said, yep, looked like that. And I said, why didn't you tell me the dream? She said, well, I thought maybe your husband had an affair and you were going to kill her, you know? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> and I, she says, that was my only thing I could think of, you know, that, that would be the reason why you would kill a blonde woman. And so, <laughs> um, so anyway, um, moving on from that. The thing is, I said, I said, I know exactly what this is. I said, hop in the car with me, and let's go to this location that the original dream started from. And we, we actually prayed. We asked the Lord to release the hit angel to kill the Jezebel spirit. We're both seers. We watched the slaughter. And it's in Psalm 149. It's right there. Saints ex uh, have the privilege of executing such orders. And, um, and so we watched the slaughter. And then we watched the shift happen in our atmosphere, and the warfare ended. I didn't know our prophetic ministry was going to go global. I didn't know that. All I knew was in the fight of my life. And it started in a dream, and I'm still convinced if we had night watch prayer, that I wouldn't have had to even deal with that. See what I'm saying? That there would have been a cover. Okay. And so, um, you know, I'm not even getting to the other one too much because I think I've already shared it before. But, but the thing about dreams is that they're so potent. There's so much deliverance in them. I mean, financial deliverance, you know, deliverance from bondage, you know, impartations of gifts, you know, knowledge of what to do next, you know, re revelation of, of seeing what's in the dark, you know, and, and warning dreams. All that stuff is packed in your dreams and what I see happen so much anymore is people struggle to sleep. 
They've got insomnia. They've got anxiety. They can't dream. They've got all these issues at night. I battle. I'll be honest with you. I battle at night. I still do. I, it's get, it gets better, I think, every year. But I really battle at night. It's just a struggle I've had for as long as I, I've, you know, been alive that I can remember. I just always battled at night. And it's just this thing where, where it's because it's a, f- this is what I believe, it's a fight over the dreams. It's a fight over the dreams. And so, you know, one strategy, of course, is night watch prayer. That's one strategy. But the other is recognizing why there is a battle for your sleep and why there is a battle um, in those hours because Satan wants to capture the dreams. And so one of the things I really felt I needed to do tonight, and anytime I talk about this, you know, I, I, the, hands down, it's always in the room, is it, for those of you who you can't sleep and you struggle at night, and it's like this, it's just like this fight, you know, just at night, you're fighting. If that's you, I want you to stand up right now because, um, you know, there is a real deliverance for this kind of thing. Amen. 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 And like I could feel the battle right now. <laughs> and that's because of what is going to be released on your life. I'm not sure what the best way to do this is. And I'm struggling, so mm. thank you, Jesus. So we're gonna win this one.